those three good ones. Yep. How's it going, Eric? It's going good. We're back, uh, back in the flow a yep. little bit. Yep. Uh, we're I get, once again we're recording this again because uh, my battery ran out. So. Um, yeah. Well, the audio clip too. So it's yeah. Fun. We we had technical difficulties. So it's ama- uh, actually amazing how many like I've said this to you so many times before. The little things that happen that you would never think would be a problem. Oh, I know. It's like it's insane. I know. I know. I'm just trying to do a video, right? Yeah. I know. It's amazing. Um, So I wanted to just thank a friend of mine, Frank. Frank. Frank, Vinny. They're all the same names, right? You're (laughs) Italian. I could say that. Uh, Vinny Della Valle from Steinmart Bakeries because he uh, aided us in in our final push for Operation Fluff Off. uh, He did. So I think we've talked about it before, but Operation Fluff Off was a quick uh, conversation between Dalton and I in the office and um dalton was trying to guess my weight and um so typically when you're guessing someone's weights because you think they're chubby (laughs) that's not what it was that's not what it was really but typically so um anyways he decided when he's not a guy that needed to lose an ounce but he said hey let's lose 10 pounds this month so and i didn't think that you were going to jump into that because you were already as lean as i thought you probably could be and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll jump in that. Because Eric is a scientist. That's his new nickname now. It's like <laughs> yeah, Eric yeah, the yeah. Scientist. Um, so Eric jumped in. So we did a month of, uh, took a month to healthfully. Is that the word? Healthfully? Healthy? Healthfully? Healthfully. I feel like that might be well. Yeah, I'm well, not sure. It is now. Okay. <laughs> healthfully dropped 10 pounds of, uh, of blubber. Yeah. So we called it Operation Fluff Off. So we successfully did it. So I was on the Thursday before we were finished. The uh, it was a Thursday. I ran out to get a coffee, and we we were weighing in our final count on the Saturday. So on the Thursday, I went to get a coffee, uh, and the the lineup in the drive-through was just uh, too long, and I have the patience of a gnat. <laughs> so I decided to go inside the store and grab the coffee, and the donuts just kind of jumped out at me. And I so when I came back. I said to uh, Dalton, I said, uh, I was explaining how those donuts just jumped out to me. So his his jaw opened and he was like, donuts, that's yeah. how we're going to finish. Because we were taking a couple of days saying, how are we going to celebrate our 10 pound um, yeah. fluff what splurge, off? What splurge do we want? Yeah. So, and then I, we immediately, you and I immediately thought of uh, Vinny. And uh, so we called him up and he said, yeah, I'll get it to you. So th- th- thank you so much for the donuts because he gave us a couple dozens and butter tarts <laughs> and no he gave us uh, th- anyways we had about five six thick donuts each four five six my wife made a big old chocolate chip pie to sell help us celebrate i'm like what are you doing and she goes well you guys you guys need junk so i said okay so that that chocolate chip pie was, a, was about as thick as my head and uh we ate a couple pieces of those but anyways Vinny, i wanted to thank you very much because you made it uh you made our our little celebration awesome. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're so good. Oh, once the especially once you're that depleted. Yeah. Like you start after about a month, I'd say, having done these kind of things a lot. After about a month, you really start to feel the the pain where it's like all you think about is food. Yeah. And your body just starts to crave crap because you're yeah. so malnourished. Yeah. So it's a uh, it was a nice little. Uh, send off, but we, we, we paid the price after. It didn't feel great <laughs> I was, I was a couple sick. days after. I was sick. And that's like, I mean, I think that's a lot to have four thick donuts that's like that a and a couple. Of, well, okay. So then that night, my there was another chocolate chip pie at home and I ended up eating a, like almost a whole pie. Oh, yeah. So I can't imagine the calories I put in that day. Yeah, off the rails for sure. But I was like the next uh, day 10. and a half, I was like, oh my God, yeah. this is terrible. 
Yeah, it's that's a lot of sugar. Oh man, the sleep terrible. Yeah, can't move the next couple of days. No. The brain fog. You feel like swollen. Yeah, like oh man. Yeah, but, but it was um, the mouth was, feels good though. Feels oh good. God. Feels good in feels, the mouth. Feels yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> feels so good. It was um. So just to be clear, we it's not like we starved ourselves. Like and Eric, this Eric, the scientist, was very helpful to us because um, he 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 he. You've been doing that for a while, eh, mm-hmm. with your fitness pal and stuff. So t- taking food and and eating the right amounts of uh, macronutrients which I hate talking like that, but that's mm. what they are. And uh, just weighing out food and, yeah. and stuff. It was good. It was good. That was a good experience. I learned a lot from it because yeah. I haven't dialed in saying, okay, I'm going to do this in a long time. I just kind of go about my day and I was always curious about when I'm on the ice, what, what kind of calories am I burning and stuff. So with the, with the whoop app that app that we have and the, um, and the, the working out and the not restricting, but eating, eating to lose a few pounds it was i learned a lot about myself i learned a lot about uh um, a lot of things i guess yeah well it's, it's really nice to do it uh with a group too because especially when it's three people who are even if it's not people that are fully knowledgeable about it but um having the three of us who we all kind of have our own like knowledge base and <clears throat> we've educated ourselves in different slightly different ways about the same things and all that so it's nice to have other people going through it at the same time because you can like bounce ideas off each other, try different things. And, you know, like if you, at one point Dalton was hitting a plateau. So we started talking about how to manipulate certain things you're eating and, and whatever. And it's just like nice to be able to have those conversations to keep trying stuff. And, and, uh, cause I remember the, the big one I did maybe a year ago, but I did by myself Yeah. and I did it basically just to like learn about how to lose weight and and do things and i didn't do it the best way because i didn't know it was my first time trying to do it and like you'll feel pain like you'll feel pain so it's nice to have other people kind of keeping you between the lines a bit when you're you're doing that because you kind of lose not that it was that extreme i feel like i'm making it sound worse than it was but you start to not be able to think as rationally as you start going yeah like along along the way you know what i mean so it's nice to have people doing it with yeah. you to well, keep it's, going. it's it's hockey it's teamwork yeah. teamwork man teamwork, like it's, yep. it's, it's it's a big difference there's yep. strength in numbers all the time right like even in something like that you know it's good to have someone being on the same page and it's a little bit of competition and and it wasn't it was just fun and yeah there's, there's, a, there's a competitive like nature to it but it's not like we're like who does better who does worse right. like everyone's we're comp- competing in a certain way but we're also all like pulling each other along as yeah. we we keep going too so it's nice it was, yeah. it was fun it was good uh, no it was good i liked it it was fun and i thank uh vinnie for supplying us the the gas yeah the gas <laughs> okay, right. yeah right. so i wanted to talk uh just briefly about chris draper so we um I think it's going to be released today, the the video. Yeah. Um, well, well, it will, it will already be released by the time people listen to this. Yeah, yeah. that's what I meant. You're, yeah. just, you're clearer in your words than I am. <laughs> um, so we had Chris Draper on last week. Now, Chris is a good friend of mine, and uh, our friendship started back in, uh, t- I think it was 2011, 2012, something like that, where he called me because he needed help, and I, I was training his kids, and I was training a lot of players for him. So um, we became good friends, and uh, Chris has always been very good to me, and uh incredible guy and it was really interesting um even though i know him very well and stuff when i was talking to him i was just going over some of the things that he's accomplished you know like three stanley cups a selkie trophy winner uh or four stanley cups sorry selkie trophy winner the the famous grind line um world junior championships olympic teams and all that kind of stuff and as he was talking i'm going gee this guy's played a lot played over i think 1100 games in the nhl and it's like wow this guy has really done it he also uh, why we, why the other reason I wanted to have him on other than the fact that he's like a great hockey guy was that 
not only was he a great player, he was uh, that that's done everything at every level. Um, he also, when he was uh, done coaching or done playing, he uh, got into management with the Detroit Red Wings as an assistant general manager, and uh, so he's got a really good knowledge base there. He and then during that time, he was also coaching his son, so he was a coach in youth hockey. So he experienced the uh, ups and downs of youth hockey. So he had some really good perspectives on that. And he currently is a scout, like the head scout for uh, amateur scouting. So he's responsible for who they pick. Um, so he was a really good guest because he could cover all kinds of bases and, and it was exciting. But the one thing, and, and when we were trying to title that one, um, you were asking me, what, what do we, what do we want to call this one? And, and, uh, and then you just said that he's just so passionate for hockey. So was, that's what we call this called passion. A passion for hockey, I think. For the and, love uh, of the game. For the love of the game, yeah. yeah. This guy loves hockey. Like, yeah. in, uh, you know, I've been around him so many times and stuff, but as soon as he starts talking about hockey, I mean, his face lights up and it's just, he oozes, oozes, oozes. I love hockey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, the... Yeah, because when, when I do the edits for stuff, you know, I want, like, to get a title or whatever, and I remember I came out and I was asking you, what do you want to call it? And when I go through and listen to it, usually it's it's pretty easy to find a thread, like a theme. Like, what are we what are we really talking about? Yeah, more or less. And you guys were kind of ta- you touched on a lot of different things. So mm-hmm. I was like, there wasn't one topic really yeah. that was appropriate to title it. Yeah. But then the more I was listening to it while I was editing, I was like, man, like this guy, like you want to talk about being a hockey guy? Like yeah. if you think you love hockey, yeah, listen to Chris Draper talk about hockey yeah. for five minutes yeah it's just falling out of his head like when he talks about it's it's amazing to listen to like someone it it doesn't even have to be hockey just that passionate about anything yeah it's like jesus like this guy could have went for five more hours oh he can talk about hockey it's It's amazing every aspect parents kids (laughs) coaches scouting his his like uh path through the game all this it was amazing man it was great to listen to yeah and i wanted to ask you if there was something that um a message that he was talking about that day because in most podcasts or most um stuff like there's the spitting chicklets and stuff people like to hear the hockey like the the podcast wasn't about i don't like to do like how was your hockey career tell us about the 93 red wings like to me it's boring but there's a place for it Mm -hmm. i like to we like to touch on you know how to help parents coaches and players through you know whatever avenues to make them better players and make this experience of hockey better so it was a really good interview, but what was it that, uh, was there anything that stuck out to you that you said, oh, that was, that was a pretty neat perspective? Yeah. Well, I mean, a guy like that, he has so many unique yeah. perspectives. So listening to him, cause like I said, he touched on a bunch of stuff, like good little tidbits for parents, for young guys, how the scouts operate, like all this, a little bit on himself and his, his path and, and all that. And all that was great and worth listening to, and you'll get little pieces out of that. But but for me, it was just like that realization, like while I was watching it, about how much he actually cares yeah. about hockey. Like that is what it takes to be someone who is at that level to play whatever it was, twenty seasons or so yeah. in the NHL, yeah, play eleven hundred plus games, be like one of the most well known grind line players ever, winning Stanley Cups, Selkie Trophy, all of the you know the list goes on about all the stuff he's been involved in and that is what that is what it takes and I, I was even kind of reflecting on myself listening to him and I don't know if I cared about hockey that as much as he did you know like you, th- you think hmm. about I think about hmm. how much I cared about hockey and I would tell anyone if they would ask me oh I love the game I like it's the best it's my favorite thing to do all day every day and then I listen to him talk about it I think I think it's easy to say that you love hockey and and 
and here's what I mean by that. It's because um, he made a point. Like actually, I'm going to say a couple points that he did. But uh, one of the points he said is uh, when things are easy, it's easy to love it. It's when things become a little bit difficult. And so when I look back at my hockey career and and stuff. I loved it. I, and I, I really loved it. It's all I did. It was my hockey stick was my toy. Um, you know, that was my first choice, even that, you know, 18, 19 years old, go play with your little hockey stick. But there's a difference of, and you know, like sometimes and we're going to be talking about, you know, um, where to find help today in, in hockey or how to help players find their passion. Because like I said, it's easy to do it when it's, it's easy to do when things are easy, but it's when things are hard or when you have the challenges. And, and I think Chris had the, like his uh, uncle coached in the OHL. And I think he came from a little bit more of a hockey family than a lot of people. So maybe helping him navigate through, you know, and maybe sending a roadmap on these are some of the things that are going to happen, or these are some of the obstacles that you're going to have to um, uh, overcome. And if you do that, then, you know, this is, but this is essential and it's going to be okay. I think that's the difference because I know when you were playing hockey, um, you didn't have a lot of people and your, like your dad and your, your parents were there to support you a hundred percent. You had me as an instructor when you were a kid to, to give you some, but I didn't live with you and I didn't, you know, you're one of uh, hundreds and hundreds of students yeah, that I not cared super about. super active in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't like, like, of course I wanted to help, but it's like, I don't think you were probably comfortable at eight years old or 10 years old or 11 years old to do, you know, to go to the extremes and ask. And, um, so when it, when things got tougher, you're, you're doing things, maybe you think you're doing things right, but you're, but you actually aren't, or you're, you, you could do them better than I think it can frustrate you. But he, um, he definitely oozed, oozed passion and, uh, it got him through and had a long, long career. Wow. Oh, and, and that's just it too. Like, it's hard to say because, I mean, you're talking about loving the game and all that, and I f- feel like I did too, same degree. It was every day, all day, that's all I cared about yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, and then somewhere along the way, maybe because I didn't get the few good breaks or the timing wasn't exactly right yeah. or or whatever it was or when you happened. got your when you got when you got your breaks, like when the schools were offering you stuff, like in the U.S., it was uh, an injury that kind of got in your way. Yeah, injury and then a trade, like like things that were just out of my control. Like yeah. the the big one for me was uh, my coach and the owner of the team at the time had like a big falling out. Yeah. In my commitment year. Yeah. Going into my yeah. NCAA commitment year. Yeah. And so that just stirred up a whole bunch of crap with the team, and then I ultimately ended up getting traded in um, that whole situation. Like just things I couldn't control. Right. Yeah. So um, that's that's definitely. That's that's one thing that that happened uh, for me. But those those types of things that go on, that might be the cause of something that makes you maybe fall out of the, love with the game. If yeah. you get enough of those, yeah. And maybe maybe that's that's what it was. Yeah. But maybe you when you listen to somebody like Chris talking about it, where obviously he had some. Not that he did, I'm not taking away any. Like obviously he worked hard and did all that, and, and but he obviously had some good breaks, good timing, right place, right time with everything from world juniors to getting traded to the wings and all of this. And so he could just keep that. He kept that love and he yeah. still has it. And yeah. it's, it's like you said, just fallen, fallen right out of him. Every yeah. time, every word he says about it is just, you can just feel it, yeah. you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. So, um, well, I'm going to go through a few things that he said. Uh, one of the things was about parents. So I hope parents really listen to this. And this is a really hard one to grasp because you get, in the moment and Dalton mentioned something yesterday. So what, what Chris said, because uh, I asked him, I said, what about when you were coaching your son and being a f- hockey dad? I said, how did you separate it? And uh, what advice would you have for, for parents 
to to go through this like people have a hard time understanding how hard it is to make it like even though you think you know it's like it's so hard to make it and uh he he just said real simple he said parents need to just sit back and they need to enjoy the ride and he goes because it's going to go by so fast it's just it goes by and then if you don't have anything else in the relationship then it's it's gone and ultimately the parents or the the players the athlete themselves have to be the ones that make it they got to do the work they're the ones that have to be concerned the parents have to just kind of sit back and be supportive and that's what he said he goes i support my son just like my dad supported me uh you know he show he said i showed him quotes on the internet and stuff like that to keep his keep him in between the lines on you know and then he had obviously he had some good resources there to maybe bounce some things off of but he said just sit back and relax and enjoy it and it's hard because you could sit there and say you know why is my son not getting that that shift and the power play and all these different things but just enjoy it through my experience it was the same thing or like with my son it's like there's there's times where i i, I wish um you know, they just give him the whole world, please, because he's a good player. They just give him the whole world, but it's a, as you know, that's not that's not fair. But I've I've learned to enjoy it. I love watching my son, and I I hope I hope I'm right. Like I hope I'm being honest with myself. I think I am. I enjoy watching him play. I love watching him practice. I love watching him be dialed into something, and um, I I like watching him um, pursue his dreams, and I I enjoy helping him with that. Um, and I and I hope I'm not caught up in having a bigger dream than him. Like for real, um, but an interesting thing that Dalton said yesterday, we we're talking about just that with Dalton, and uh, he said that it was amazing at the NHL level that um, he had the opportunity one time, he was opportunity to be scratched, if that's a good thing. Mm. <laughs> but he was scratched one game when it was a parent strip, so he was up in the um, what do you call it, the like the press box, the press box with the with the parents, mm. and uh, he said, guys, it was amazing to watch yeah yeah, you're every, that, yeah right every every dad would be you know if, let's say his son was on the ice and maybe it was a two-on-one and the other guy shot and the other dad would be like come on man like he's open yeah right yeah, and yeah. this is at the oh, yeah. nhl yeah, 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 <laughs> at the yeah. nhl level and he said it was it was a it was so amazing and i i was like yeah it's the peewee hockey dads oh yeah go back to when they're 12 like 100%. that's exactly what it is yeah but he also put a pretty good perspective on it he goes there's there's that that they have no idea what is actually going on on the ice and and you know like maybe it's uh a 35 goal scorer that has a puck on uh, and 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 you you want your son to get it who's got 12 points in yeah. three years yeah. and you know that's the best option or you know they don't know percentage of shooting like why he shot or you know what the coaches they, they don't know any of it they're right. just they want their son to be the yeah. best he's and, being a dad uh, just he's, being a dad yeah. so i found that pretty interesting but dalton also said that the thing that he liked about it was that his perspective was neat he goes but it's still a dad that cares about his kid and wants to support his kid and he's still you know rooting for him and um i think if it's in the right context it's good so that was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was a that was a good story. Even, uh, yeah, it was it was cool hearing it from Dalton, watching it because he for sure has this like a, some kind of similar experience with his own dad, right? Yeah. But then when you get to watch other people's dads doing it, it's a cool thing to see because you're like, oh yeah, and you can kind of like plug that into your own yeah. life and like how it, uh, uh, how it, how it really has played out over all those years of them being, you know in your corner if, if they were yeah. and, and, and all that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, what, what Chris is saying about that is, is exactly right. And that, and that's why, you know, that last episode we did talking about, or a few episodes ago, whenever it was talking about parents, it's like, you want to be supportive of your kid. You want to make sure that you're providing them help where it's appropriate 
and in the ways that you can actually help. But there's a fine line to draw where you always want to be supportive. You always want to be doing those things, but, but, you know, nowhere to draw that line where it becomes too much. So you're not just, you know, crazy hockey mom, crazy hockey dad, and not actually being helpful, being like, you know, counterproductive yeah. to their development. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that was a good point. Yeah. 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 So uh, another one that I really liked is, and we kind of touched on is like, um, he goes, he likes like from a scout, from a player, like all perspectives, he said, uh, it's it's easy to play the game when things are going your way. So what does that mean? Meaning uh, when you're winning, when the pucks, you know, it just seems, you, you know, you got a good rhythm, you're in a good groove, you're scoring goals, you're making plays, you you feel good under your feet. Uh, all those things are going well. There's not a whole lot of adversity. He goes, but that's not what really, what, that's not hockey. That's actually not hockey. Hockey is actually, you know, how are you doing when, you know, there's an interesting one. Zach Cassian, a couple couple playoffs year, couple playoffs ago, when um, Edmonton got into the playoffs, uh, he went out against Anaheim and first couple shifts. It was like everyone talks about why doesn't he play like that all the time? So he was out there and he ran three guys like in one shift and another shift just ran a couple more guys and everyone's like yeah that's that's Cassian so anyways we were were working out in the summer and we're just talking about it and he he mentioned that he goes like people have expectations of you know you play like that all the time he goes do you realize that first shift of the first game of the first series of the playoffs through those hits he broke broke a finger (laughs) so you might say well it's a it's just a finger or maybe you say well how do you play with a finger I don't know it depends on your perception but that finger now eliminates hits and stuff like that or or you can't squeeze the the, the stick quite the same and it's mm-hmm. a, it's a nagging little thing and um so it's adversity and you still got to play through that mm-hmm. so like when you when so he did he did play very well like he played when when there was some adversity and um but when things aren't going well how do you react and that's where your mental toughness going to be do you have the toughness to, mm-hmm. to play against yeah. someone that wants to basically take your head off or zach when you're playing against zach cassian when he's doesn't have the broken finger and he's all wired up oh yeah that's hard now well it, it, we talked about this one a, lo- a while back too i know we were touching a lot of, a lot of same themes but the the mental toughness thing we talked about before is the mental toughness isn't when things are going well no you know it's when things are hard that's it's easy to talk the talk about things when you're you're driving your team's winning and you're playing well but when things start to get tough that's when you're actually showing what kind of hockey player you are right yeah. and it's actually it's again it's not we we're ta- we always talk about stuff in the context of hockey, but it's not just hockey. It's the context of anything. Like yeah. the amount of days we sit in the gym and we're not allowed to work because things are closed. It's easy to get real easy and justified, to be honest, yeah. to get into that like mental, like woe is me a little bit. But that's the time where show that you're mentally tough now. Like you're going to yeah. preach that you're doing it and all that when things are good. Yeah. But it's when things are tough, that's actually actually when it counts. But it's, it's funny that mentioning Cass something like that that you don't think of that's that's where you're a hockey player you broke your finger and you still have two months of potential games left yeah. and you have to play yeah my, one of my favorites i saw this meme once memes like picture with words on it just yeah. make sure you know what that means well i, um, I do know okay <laughs> <laughs> and uh there was four it was like four pictures in one and the first one was a soccer player yeah and guy was like rolling on the ground yeah. like so, i don't know soccer sp- guy yeah like yeah pretend hurt ankle yeah. can't play then it was lebron james sprained finger yeah. can't play yeah. then it was a base a pitcher blister on his finger yeah. can't play yeah. and then it went to patrice bergeron i think yeah. and it was several years ago in the playoffs he had a separated shoulder yeah. and a collapsed lung yeah 
and yeah. played the game. I think broken ribs too. Yeah, broken ribs. Like yeah. just something ridiculous, right? And like these are hockey players. Like this yeah. is where this is where now you're hockey. And I'm not saying you need to collapse your lung and go play to show how much of a yeah. hockey player you are, but it's like that's when the the jam actually comes in. Yeah. You know, that's funny because I learned I learned that in uh, in junior my first year it was my first so my f- second fight or third fight in junior I fought like this <laughs> tough guy. All the guys in the room were like, uh, just don't wake him up, guys. And I happened to take a shot on. Uh, we're playing Belleville. I took a shot on uh, net, and I followed it up. And I didn't spray the goalie, but I got kind of close, and I feel a whack across across my ribs and, you know, a cu- couple words. So this guy throws the mitts down and hits me with about eight before I even got my gloves off. Oh, yeah. Because um, I used to tape them on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, yeah. no, but uh, so I thought I, I threw I threw as many as, as I could, as fast as I could, thinking that, I okay, I got him. And then he throws me down, and there's blood everywhere. I mean everywhere, yeah. and I'm going to the bench. Do you remember slap shot when uh, yeah, I forget yeah. what it is, and they're looking at him like, "Ooh, killer!" When killer yeah. gets beat up, well, that that was me that day, and um, no big deal, right? So, first time I had stitches in a, in a game. So then, uh, so the the trainer Joe comes in, and he's got he, he smoked darts, and he had these cheesy fingers that smelled like uh, like, <laughs> like cigarettes, <laughs> yeah, and he comes serious. over to my eye like this, shaking. I'm like, "What the heck?" Anyways, he stitches me up, and he goes, "Okay, go go ahead." And I'm like, "Oh, so we go back out?" Look, I was 16. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You don't know. So we go back out. So that was like, it was a big deal because I'm going around thinking this guy hates me and he wants to fight me again. Um, like I got to perform still. I've got this thing. I don't know. Should I be careful? Should I not? Yep. You just don't know the difference, yeah. right? Well, sorry, do you want to finish up? Well, there? and I was going to say another time that I had was when I was uh, trying out for Team uh, Team Ontario, Team Under Oh, yeah, this is a big one. And, yeah, I, yeah. and I had a broken ankle. And I didn't tell anybody because I, if, I, if, if anybody knew, then they would actually not let me play. Mm-hmm. So I, I hobbled around and limped around and stuff like that. And, and uh, in my head, like I played great still. I made the team, right? So I made the team, but uh, uh, and I played extremely well. But like the whole time I'm thinking, like I'm hobbling around and stuff. But that, that was that was an exercise in toughness, like easy to quit at that point. Mm-hmm. The, the pain was like intolerable all yep. the time for months and months. But it was like, I, this is something that I wanted. And when the dreams, like we always talk about, when the dream's big enough, the facts don't count. I had a broken ankle. It doesn't matter. Yep. And uh, it wasn't easy at all. It, it limited some of my mobility and stuff like that. But it was like important for me to make it so i did whatever it, it took to do yeah to make it yeah well, I, I got two two quick ones kind of mirroring exactly yeah. which it's so funny how like if you're a hockey player that's been through it's like some kind of high level the amount of like similar experiences you have because yeah. as soon as you said your first story i had one yeah. you said the second one and yeah. i have one that's like yeah. exactly the same but first one they're kind of talking about the the like the little bit of a fighting thing whatever i remember i was 16 and uh i got my first couple fights and did pretty good so i kind of thought i was tough Yep. Right, I had that a little bit of attitude, yeah. like I was tough. Yeah, and you're not tough when you're 16. I don't care how many hockey, fi- <laughs> I don't care how many hockey fights you've been in. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. You're not, you're not tough. And yeah. I remember, I so I, I sucker punched a guy in a scrum, and he was, I was born in uh, 1994. He was in 91. So, so he's three years. Yeah, big boy. If I did my math right, it's yeah, three yeah. years. <laughs> he's a big, big boy, yeah. like substantially bigger than me. Yeah. And I, for some reason, didn't care, like because I thought I was tough. Now, yeah. and. I remember that same like feeling of anxiety playing the next game because I knew he was going to come after me. It was right at the end of the game, so yeah. he didn't have a chance. And I remember I hit him in the eye, and his eye just went poof. And Ooh, I was he like, owed you one. Oh, did he? <laughs> and did he give me one back, man? So it was the next. It was the next game, and I knew he was going to be coming. And that whole game was like, okay, well, like I'm I'm 16. Do I do I fight this guy or do I not? Do I let it go? Do I yeah. do I try to engage? I don't know how to act. Like what what if he actually hurts me? Like what well, I I don't know, right? Yeah. So. <clears throat> Anyways, he ended up coming out and he gave me a whack. He probably hit me 
yeah 87 times in the face didn't hit, didn't even punch yeah. him once like was holding on for yeah. dear life if i didn't yeah. have a helmet on he probably would have broke my orbital bone or something yeah but that was the first one yeah. and then second one kind of talking with the injury was it was my last year of junior and i remember i had a tough year my last year it was tough and i was kind of going for my last my last gasp at like the schools kind yeah. of thing and uh I was having an awesome playoff run and our team was awesome. So I knew we were going to go like super deep. We ended up going to the finals, like Sutherland cup finals, which was like all the junior teams in Ontario yeah. for our league. Yeah. Anyways. So it was like, I think it was a, our semifinal round or the final round, maybe game one. Anyways, I was over a point a game in the playoffs playing awesome, like hit right in the muck of things, like really contributing. It was awesome. So I was feeling great and things just started kind of to go up like the mental ride. I was just starting yeah. to go up and I was like, okay, like we're kind of getting it going after like the season had been pretty tough. And I remember I went into the boards kind of awkward and it absolutely blew my shoulder up, like blew it up. I think it was AC. And I remember I could not lift my, my arm higher than here basically. Right. And I went to the trainer's room and our trainer was looking at me and she was trying to like tape me up, like to see if I could act, if I could go. And I knew I couldn't go. There's no way. Right. And so I'm trying to like fake through it. Like I can go because I know this is it. If I'm done, like I'm going to miss the finals and then I'm done. Nobody's seeing nothing. I'm not helping the team out. I don't get to contribute. I don't get to play. And this is my last year. I only have a couple games left of junior. Right. And, uh, so she tapes me up and, I remember as soon as she walked out of the room, cause I like faked through it. Like I was good to go. I just started bawling, man, just yeah. cause I knew I was done. I was like, yeah. there's no way it's done. Yeah. So I ended up missing the next two games. And then I missed the championship game where we won. We actually won the trophy. Yeah. So I, I, me and another kid that was hurt, we both, we put our gear on to go out and celebrate, yeah. but yeah. we missed the game. We didn't yeah. play the game. That's hard. Right. Man. And it's just those mental, yeah. those mental things, right? It's, yeah. it's a super easy to just to fall into those, man. I, yeah. I know it's, it's, everyone's going to have a story like that. Just like you said that where it's, oh, you got a battle, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah, so it's not just injuries though, right? Like, like, like it's playing through the hard times. It's like, we've said it so many times. It could be a coach that just, you don't see eye to eye with. It could be ice time. It could be your line mate. Like it could be your billets. It could be the food you're eating. It could be yeah. stuff on your mind. It could be, you're just mentally not there. It could be a little pain here, a little pain there. There's, Puck's just not bouncing, whatever. As you're having a bad day, you have to find a way to get out there and perform. That's it. And that's what we talk about with the mental toughness is you stay in the moment and you do what you can when you can, like in the moment, and because uh, nothing else matters. And if you can do that, then, um, you know, that's that's how you stay That's how you stay present. And mm-hmm. that's how you, uh, you know, that's how you stay mentally tough. Because just too many people, when the, when, the, uh, when the shit hits the fan, when they served a shit sandwich, they just quit. And uh, you're going to get a lot of shit sandwiches. Yeah, more so than you, more than not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the guys that can that can muck it through. Maybe you get cut from a team. Are you going to fight back? Like, do you believe in yourself? So it's the passion for the game, and it's like doing it when it's hard, because that's uh, that's how you do it. The um, the other couple things I wanted to say, what Chris said, that just stood out to me was, uh, um, you know, making it. He realized at uh, you know when you're a kid, you don't realize that it's actually a job. And to make it, he realized he was um, played a couple hundred games in the minors, and then finally Detroit. Well, Detroit traded for him, but he had a couple hundred games in the minors, and finally he got his shot with Detroit. So that season, he went to camp, and Chris is in great shape, still is. And uh, he went to camp, and he was in great shape, and he actually won a couple awards for being you know top of this, top of this. And people, he said, people look around, and go, who's who's Chris Draper? <laughs> but uh, but he didn't get a shot. 
until later in the year. So he played in Chicago uh, one night. They called him up, and he didn't know if he was a one-and-done or if he was there for a while. And uh, so he played, and he said, okay, I'm not going back. Because he realized that, number one, you're there. The only way you get there is to take someone's job. And they had a good team. And he realized, he goes, I'm not taking Iserman's spot. I'm not taking this guy's spot. He goes, so I'm going to have to do something different. So anyways, he said, I'm going to take this job. And if I get it, so they, yeah, they said stay that night. He was staying in a hotel. Um, I got to take a job. I got to steal someone's job. I've got to be better than someone consistently right now. But he said, that's one part. The next part is to keep your job because someone is doing the same thing. They're there to take your job. So as much as you want to be a teammate, you're there to steal someone's job. And he said that he's always been a hard worker. And he said that he was after the game in Ch- against Chicago, the next day they were practicing, I guess it was, or maybe it was another game, whatever. And he was staying at a hotel right downtown Detroit. And he said, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I do everything to stay here. And uh, he said, I got, I got there three hours before our ice or ske- whatever scheduled event they had. I got, I got there three hours before thinking that, okay, I'm getting ahead of the game. He goes, he walks in and Steve Eiserman's already on the bike working out. And he goes, man. Because mm-hmm. man, this guy might be the best player in the whole world, and he's on the on the bike three hours before. Like, okay, I can't even outwork these guys. Yeah. Like, but that's that passion, right? And then he would say, like, Pavel Datsuk would be, like, he goes, "There's no coincidence why these guys." I, I don't need my glasses to sit talk. Um, he goes, "There's no coincidence." If you wonder why Nick Lidstrom was the best player in the world for, like, probably undeniably the best defenseman to ever play, um, he was there all the time and working on things and working on things and working on things. And Pavel Datsuk would be, you know, there early and on the ice late and just working on things. And they used to have games playing one on ones and stuff like that. And said nobody could beat him. No one could take the puck from him ever. And then if, if someone got the puck, you just strip it from him. And that's you know, but he worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. And he said, you know, there's no secret why these guys are the best. And mm-hmm. to get there, how are you going to get take their job? Like, how the heck are you going to take their job when they're the best? They've been there for eight years or ten years, and they're they're seasoned veterans. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to do something special, and that's that's the work ethic, and that's the um, finding an identity and 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 doing it hard. It's yeah. tough. Well, the 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 answer is you're not going to take their job. That's that's basically the answer, right? Yeah. So the top the top six pretty much on any team, like you're not taking their job, right? Right. They're there, they're contracted, they're getting paid the big bucks, they're getting the points, they're top six for a reason, or top four D or whatever. So if you're gonna come in and you're not coming in as a stud, you're not taking one of those, right? Yeah. So that means if you're a forward, now you have six spots to compete for, right? It's not twelve, it's six. Yeah. So how are you gonna get and those six work just as hard as you might be better than you at something specific, which is why they're there. Yep. So you need to be able to identify where you can plug in and how to get better at that thing to make yourself someone that they need to have, you know, and that goes into, you know, talking about, we're going to get into like talking about help and all that. And if you don't know kind of where to start in terms of improving yourself. So this is all obviously under the the caveat that you're not the number one person that everyone wants on their team because yeah. none of this matters if you're that, yeah. but you're almost for sure not that. Yeah. So like Chris was saying, you need to f- you need to find something that's going to make you valuable so that they'll put you in one of those six spots, 
that they can they can afford to plug guys in and out of right yeah so you need to figure out what that is and then how to attack it how to get better at it and then how to make yourself stick in that in that spot which he did for 20 seasons right 100 percent yeah Uh, and then and then finally i just a couple of things that stood out on the scouting side with him is uh which i think is very valuable so it's hard for me scouting would be a tough job because I, I mean, there's so many players to identify. But he broke it down, saying basically the area scouts do a great job of identifying the top players, whether whatever league, Europe, uh, USHL, OHL, CA, whatever college. They do the so they trust their uh, uh, area scouts, and then uh, him and Eiserman and and the brass go and identify who they like the best. But I said, so how do you, how do you decide who you're going to take? Is it usually position or whatever? He goes, well, first thing that they look for is it's what's called the Red Wing DNA. He goes, they have to have the character. And we talk about character, and people talk about character, but they, I think they use it loosely. Um, I don't think we really understand what character is. Sometimes, you know, it's uh, being a good... But he said, it's like, I want a good person on my team. He goes, I don't want to draft someone that's uh, that's bad in the room. He goes, so we go to they go to lengths to talk to... You know, it might be this power skating coach or the stick handling or the coaches that the, that have been involved in their life. They might go right down to their grade 8 teacher, grade 9 teacher, not necessarily to find out how they did in school, although sometimes they do because that, that's an indication of some things. But it's more to see how they treated other people and, um, you know, how they work and how they, what, what they're like, what what type of people they're like when no one's around. Because at the end of the day, in, in that he, like he said, you're with your teammates more than you're with your family. And that's true. So if you got someone in the room that's a shit guy, it's just it's no good. It's no good. So he was saying that that was a a, a huge thing, and uh, there was one more thing that he said about that. Um, oh yeah, and then he said one of the other things he said was when he interviews people, it gets down to uh, um, you know getting specific, and this is where players have to be honest with themselves and understand what they're all about. Um, he'll ask them, he goes, "What type of player do you?" feel like you play like and he says a lot of guys will say stuff like Mitch Marner or Austin Matthews or the or Alexander Ovechkin he breaks it down he goes okay this and he's not there's still kids but he goes okay this person has a long way to go to understand where they're at in this hockey uh trajectory because if you think that you're Austin Matthews like the top players in the world then you got some work to do you might be delusional and that might come from home and that might come from being um arrogant or 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 whatever not realizing what's that task yeah well well sorry i want to jump in on that quick because sometimes those kids they are the best where they're coming from yeah right and so if you're the best if you're the best in your minor hockey league like if you're 15 16 whatever or in your junior hockey league when you're going to the into the nhl draft when you're 15 16 17 18 whatever depending where you're at when they come and ask you, maybe you are the best. Maybe you are the best in the BCHL. Maybe you are the best in the USHL. Maybe you had a good year at college. Maybe you had a really good year in the OHL. But that if you're not if you're not self aware, which is a hard thing to learn, especially when you're a kid. Yes. Then you're you're gonna get that you're gonna give a guy like Chris that impression where you're like, wow, this kid just he has some maturing to do because yeah. you're not Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many one time goals you scored this year. Yeah you're you're almost certainly not Alexander Ovechkin or we wouldn't we probably wouldn't be sitting here because everyone would just know that you're number one yeah <laughs> right yeah. so yeah exactly yeah and the other thing he asked the kids is I, I love this and the reason I'm sharing this is because again it's that self-awareness and and also is that as a player 
and a parent and a coach if you're if you're trying to get there if you're trying to help someone get there this detail is really important chris would sit there and say you know those interviews are really tough anyways but he'll, he'll ask a kid that they're interested in and say so are you working out yep um what type of workout is oh i, I work out really hard and um so chris works out really hard oh and does he's, he? he's like us he gets up at the you that know that guy's a specimen yeah man. oh yeah Oh yeah. Sorry, I gotta cut you off one more time. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> the first when I met him in PowerTech, the yeah. first time he probably doesn't even remember ever meeting me, but he was here the one summer when his kid was training with you. Mm-hmm. And I remember he walked in, and he's not a super tall guy, but you oh, can he's tell he's, he's dense. Like yeah. he's he's an yeah. athlete. Yeah. He looks like an athlete. He's got yeah. an athlete body type. Yeah. Even if he's wearing jeans and a jacket, you yeah. can see it. Yeah. And he shook my hand, yeah. and I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this guy's legit. Yeah. Yeah. Everything about him, traps, yeah. Yeah. arms, yeah. shoulders, yeah. chest, like yeah. this guy is yeah. in shape. Yeah. He works out. So if you think you're going to talk about your workout to yeah. him, he knows, he knows how to, to talk about working out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what he said, he laughed. He goes, so, you know, the kids say, yeah, I work out hard. He goes, go, let me hear. What do you do? So he's, they, you know, they'll explain their workout sometimes. He goes, okay, that's all right. We got some work to do, but no, it's not cutting them off. You're just finding out where they're at. And he goes like, so what do you do? And he goes, oh, you know, I'm. A lot of kids will say, you know, I, get, I go there at around 10 o'clock in the morning and it's like, oh, that's not a good yeah, You already lose. Yeah. You already lost. <laughs> you already lost. Yeah, because you're, you're – this, but this is who you're dealing with, right? Yep. And the, the important – like Dalton basically solidified his draft. Dalton Prout basically solidified his draft with Columbus by knowing his workouts because they try to trick you. They try, they try to – not tr- trick you. They just try to dig deep and find out all yeah, about Yeah, they're digging you. through your brain. They want to yeah. see what's up in so, there. So, oh, yeah. you work out. Yeah. Hope you have some answers, because if you don't have the answers, you're, they they might call bullshit, mm-hmm. right? So Dalton, he met the guy. It was at a Tim Hortons in Windsor, and uh, the guy came and sat down with him, talked, and said, "So what's your workout?" And he pulled it out. He goes, "On Mondays I do this," and and but Dalton was detailed. And he said, "I, I wake up and I go to uh, I do a kettlebell training in the morning, and then I, you know, whatever he'd have like three, four. I skate here. I do this. I do this. I do this. I do this. And the guy was like, "Wow." Wow, you you're 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 into this, mm-hmm. and that says a lot. Right. So my point of that part is not. <clears throat> sorry, you you're in under a microscope in this thing, and people are going to invest some money into you if if you're good enough. But and whether that's junior or college or pro. <coughs> Excuse me. You have to if someone's going to invest money in you. It's just like if someone's going to invest money in a in a fund, like to to in a, a financial investment. You if they say so, what, what how's your business run? They go well, you know, not in a lot yeah. of details. Are you going to put your money there? Right. It's the same with a hockey yeah. team. What's the return on this guy? Hundred percent. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you actually know your stuff. I try to teach that with Charlie. We're we're doing a pretty good job, I think. He's asking a lot of questions. He's got his journal. He's writing things down. And, it, and and for no other reason, just for your own self-interest, to be able to go back and say, this is what I've done and these are the results. Oh, I felt good here. Why? And kind of look back and say, um, this is good. And if you write it down and you see it and you understand that, okay, were you, number one, exercising? Because that's not training. Were you working out? Because that's not training for hockey. Or were you training? Right. Which is a whole different ball game. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, man, we, got, we should do... Just saying that, we should probably do a whole freaking podcast on the difference between those three. Sure, yeah, but, we will, actually. <clears throat> but uh, what I was going to say about, you know, you mentioned that Chris would, would ask these kids about their workout, and he's not trying, they're not trying to trick you, they're not trying to carve you, they're not, none of that, but they're looking for that that level of maturity. So you just started, uh, well, we, well, we just started this June, next 
crop of junior development program guys. So this would be the 2006 year kids. So they're going into the, in the next two years, they'll be getting into junior hockey and you guys run this program to prepare them basically. And so we had a meeting with these guys the other night. And when I had my little few minutes to, to talk, I was saying, because I run the off ice, I was saying these kids are forced to grow up very quick right and grow up in the sense of very quickly very quick you can say whatever you want (laughs) you know like there's going to be when you say quick or quickly there's going to be some of the people that listen that say that was incorrect (laughs) and there's going to be some people that aren't going to notice because they would have said uh fast right yeah and there's gonna be some people that say wow that that guy puts a a word together real well (laughs) i get i get get hung up on words like that all the time but anyway so i was saying to these the parents like their kids have to mature physically and mentally because when you're 15 going into the draft quickly quickly. when you're 15 going into the draft these these uh coaches and scouts that are looking at you they're comparing you to their 20-year-olds, to their 18-year-olds, to yeah. their guys that have been drafted, yeah. to their guys that have to the NHL or yeah. to the guys that they took in the draft the year before yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. So all of these things, when, you know, Chris says something like he's he's trying to figure out what your workout routine is, it's they're testing that. They're probing where are you on the maturity spectrum? Where are you on the physical development spectrum? How much do you know? What kind of knowledge base do you have coming in? Which, it, like, you're a kid. Like, it's, and that's, it's, unfortunate in a way that you're judged that young but that's the nature of the beast right now yeah it's the you're nature that. of the beast so if you can if you can get yourself in these situations where you'll learn these things and you'll be equipped with good answers and not good answers just because you're trying to say the right thing good answers because you actually know what you're supposed to be doing like dalton here's my schedule boom there you go yeah. have a look what, do, what are your questions what do you got give me whatever yeah. question you got and we can talk about it yeah. right 100%. And that doesn't mean you have the best workout program ever or the best schedule ever, but it's like, oh, okay, this kid's on the path. Like, it's he the knows. Intent. Yeah, it's exactly. The intent. Right, doing it with intention. So if you see a kid, like, yeah, you could see a kid, if, if they pulled out, yeah, Mr. Draper, I uh, I run 10 miles a day in the morning, and then I um, I go swimming for an hour a day, and then I shoot pucks for an hour a day, and then I, it's not it's not so much that that's correct, It's it, but what's really important is, okay, this kid does stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, this kid's motivated. He doesn't know the difference. So imagine if we get this kid on a program, because obviously, and it, what's going to lead into our our um, our actual topic today is he wants help or he would be seeking help. Right. I can help this kid. Well, it, more more than just he's seeking help, it's he'll take the help. That's what I like, mean. Like you give this kid, this kid is willing to do. Yes. That's what they, they realize. Yes. This kid is willing to do. Yes. Because what he just showed me is an indicator that we can give him something and he'll go do it because he's already doing these things on his own. Yep. He already has the habit structure. It's there. Yeah. So now we can plug in. So if, if they see, okay, big boy, we can teach him how to play physical. This is the workout prescription for that kid. Here yep. you go. Boom. He'll yep. go do it because he's already got the time slots laid out for it. Right. Yep. He knows what to do or he knows how to structure his day so that he can work towards these things. Right. And that, that's what the probe is there. Yeah. So I wanted to talk today because I, I had um, like starting that junior program again uh, with a new crop of kids. Um, I found, so after the first session that Eric Wellwood and I did with them, Eric was asking me, he goes, uh, he, we love working with these kids. They're a great group of kids. But Eric was asking, he goes, uh, he goes, some of the, there's a, there's a bunch of them that, you know, you had to, 
there was a lot of deficiencies and and not I'm not I'm not talking basic skills but I'm talking about um there's certain skills like shooting like most guys were telegraphing pucks uh you know off balance and stuff like that which is I mean that's not easy to do but if at the higher levels it should be um should be better um ed- edging I don't like to use that word but like just uh, lateral movements and stuff that comes through edges and stuff you could tell that that wasn't worked on a really really precise stick handling um mm. And and I could even see some thought process. Now I'm not. I, these kids are great to work with, but we'd notice them. So Eric asked me that, and I said, "Yeah, it's. This is what breaks my heart about hockey, is it's it's very frustrating because now we've we've got them in our hands, and they've been paying a lot of money. Parents have been paying a lot of money, thousands of dollars, to go get their kid trained somewhere, and the quality of work that was put into their um, training." they might as well not have put a dollar in because the results aren't there. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart. And the reason it breaks my heart is because those thousands of dollars could have been mine. No, <laughs> no, I'm not saying it that way. I'm saying because, okay, so I'm going to fast forward to yesterday. Last night we were on the ice with that same group of kids. And the first day they did the same thing. They came up to, which we, we typically get, they came up to us and they said, uh, Coach, thank you so much for showing me this. Thank you for spending time. Listen to this. Thank you for spending time. Sh- the one boy. Thank you for showing me time and giving me all those tips. Uh, th- thanks for, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. I didn't know that. I, I, all the practice, but after they're all coming up high five and thank you so much, can't wait for the next session. It breaks my heart because that should have been taken care of. And, and my point of that is like, Kids are dying for the help. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kids are not just sitting there going to play hockey. The kids that want to, they're dying for help. They want to be better. And what saddens me about, like, as you come through the ranks is a lot of the times the help, was, help wasn't offered. And it's actually a very simple thing to do. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to talk about a little bit about that today. And I'm going to probably, would, if you can interject in, at any point. Right well, now. I was going to say with those kids specifically, like one of the, we've, we've said this before, but unless you're one of those, uh, we always say this caveat, but unless you're one of those guys, that's the best kid, the help will come knocking on your door when you're that good. Right. But for the vast majority of, of athletes, not just hockey players, but athletes in general, you have to go look for the help. The help's not going to come look for you. Right. Yeah. So the sad thing about or disappointing thing about the situation with these guys is their parents, because they had they've been going to other camps and doing other things and whatever, but they haven't been skating with someone like and it doesn't even have to be you, but someone no, like it doesn't you. have to be me. But yeah. what I want out of coaches, I want I want them to like we were just watching one that as we were doing this podcast, there was a group out there and there was not one not one time a coach pulled a kid aside or or gave a purpose for what they're doing or. Um, showed them how to get better. Right. They're just doing a drill. Right. So, so if they're not, because they haven't skated with someone who does those types of things like you, then they miss those lessons, but their parents thought, or they thought, probably more the parents, but they thought that they were going to get help. Yep. Right. So they are going looking for the help, but they're just looking in the wrong places and they're getting it from because whatever the reason, they don't know any better. Their coach is the guy that runs the camp. Whatever the reason is, they're investing money to get help. So they're going and looking for that help. 
yeah. but it's not the right place. That's not yeah. where they should be looking. And then you, they come skate with someone like you who does do things the right way and actually tries to do things with the right intention and has the knowledge to actually give them the help that they need to be getting. And, you know, you see that they have all these deficiencies, underdeveloped parts of their game and, and holes where, you know, the kid might be a really good shooter, but he's not a good skater. The kid might be a decent skater, but he can't stick handle well or whatever whatever their deficiency is because they did all these reps with, you know, other place at other skates or other camps or whatever. And it doesn't matter where you go skate. If you skate, you'll get better at certain things, yeah. right? Because you're doing reps. Yeah. But they didn't optimize how they were spending that time and right. they didn't get help in the best way that they could where they come to you and they're a more well-rounded athlete ready to you know take the next steps into a more serious um role with especially within hockey so now you guys have to spend time kind of going back to the basics a little bit more like foundational to the skills that they need to build before you can say okay now you guys need to be ready to go into junior now now we're now we're going to teach you how to play hockey you guys have the foundation now we're going to teach you how to play hockey but so you guys have to kind of go backwards take a couple steps back and then try to rebuild them up because they they spent all this time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to like, like a couple of things that just stood out yesterday from a skills perspective was, uh, is the shooting. So one with the shooting is that most guys, you know, you, you've seen me t- teach this with most guys. When I take someone new, I most likely this is going to happen. They shoot from a, an off balance position. They shoot from, uh, uh, a, a place where they have to kind of collect their, their, their body to get the pot, to get the puck off. So which they telegraph the puck and like, there's a lot of wrong things. So they might score, some goals when they're younger, but as goalies get bigger, they just read those plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one. So, but but uh, like a thing like shooting, now we, we're going to have to slow things down, and um, it's going to take a while for them to get. And I'm not saying they can't shoot; they can shoot. But to be a good shooter, this is going to we're going to have to dial it back and spend some significant time on shooting in several different uh, areas, like several 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 different situations. The other thing was just a simple thing, like you know, you could say. Uh, go to a clinic let's say it's a tight turn clinic somewhere i don't know if there's such thing but if someone's working on a lot of tight turns right and that's that's a really good skill to learn um do you learn why you're doing it you do you you learn how to come out of it but what i noticed with people that haven't skated with me is like as we're doing a drill where it was a pull-up move um and just showing how to delay and why you go deep you know to bring back checkers with you and stuff but anyways, when the kids were turning, when they when they go on their forehand, there'd a lot of be there'd be a lot of crisscrossing the arms. So, you it, which isn't optimal because what happens if you if you go into a tight turn and crisscross your arms, then you can't make a ne- the next play. You have to readjust, which yeah, takes time, takes time yeah. or you can't get a shot off if you need because you have to readjust. So, uh, I'm not trying to give a clinic here on on tight turns and stuff. And but what I'm saying is that you've done this for so long, and a simple thing like keeping the puck outside in your hands outside your hip to make another play that's mm. not a habit you just say okay just do this now it's, right. it takes time and effort and and some real thought right where these kids should be there and if you've been going to someone and you've been training or or thinking that you're getting help and and they haven't recognized like a a, a simple thing but a critically important thing like that um you're behind a little bit mm-hmm. well it's man i pretty sure you'll end up going into this next anyways but just kind of like what you should be looking for right so whether you're the player or the parent watching right is that when we're talking about where should you seek help 
like mm-hmm. where to go, mm-hmm. right? And you need to be observant and you actually need to pay attention to what you're being taught and what the person who's in charge of you is saying, right? Mm-hmm. So whether you're the kid or the parent, a good indicator is, is this guy pulling my kid to the side and trying to show him something in more detail? Yeah. That's that's a really good, really good indicator because even if they're not showing them exactly the correct thing to do, it's showing you like they have some intention yes. and they're trying to do do the right thing. Or right? something you can measure against some like they could talk to their coach and then come to me and say, Hey, my coach said right. um that I should shoot like this. Exactly. I had a coach say that uh, that you should never ever take a slap shot. And if you do, should the stick should never you know who it is. Uh should never the stick should never go be above your knees. And they asked me and I'm like, geez, I don't want to say this guy's an idiot, mm-hmm. but I got to say he's an idiot. <laughs> no, but my point to that is that at least they can measure it, right? So if they tell uh, tell your child something and if they come up to someone like my, myself and they say, hey, coach, my coach said this, what do you think? At least, at least I could say, okay, that's good, but you can make it better here or give them some context to even help them think about mm-hmm. it or, or to make it better well, or to say, yeah, you know what? Your coach did a, did a great job there. And that's what I would say. Right. Uh-huh. And, and it's like you said before, a couple of things you said, the, you know, like the f- play the five wise game, mm-hmm. right? Why, 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 why? Mm-hmm. And see where their knowledge runs out. Yeah. And then, you know, science guy, you're getting data points off of all the people that you're working with, right? <laughs> At a point. No, okay, listen, stop. But, but 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 no, but this is this is it. So one of one of the things that my my brother always says, which is so funny cuz he's a super critical thinker too, like absorbs information and that's exactly how he words it all the time. He's like, "When I'm when I'm around people or I'm in a in a whether it's a social setting or an academic setting or wherever he is, he's like, "I am gathering information yep. at all times. I'm I'm paying attention to he said this, she said that." This person said this, this person did that, and I'm watching and I'm absorbing it because yep. now I can figure out how I should be doing it, right? Yep. Or what this person is really about yep, or what their point. intention is, right? Yeah. And so it's exactly that. If, if you're a parent or a player and this coach is taking you off to the side and saying, okay, you should do this, that's a good thing because now, exactly like you said, now you have a piece of information that this guy said to you. So so before we even get there, if this if, if the person isn't taking your kid aside to work on something, Unless it's your team practice where it's just your coach. If you're paying for a clinic and that's not happening, that's a waste of your money. I don't care. Total waste. I do not care if it's the NHL skills coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. If he's not coming and trying to teach your kid something specific and he's just running drills, you're wasting money. So that's number one. Number two, if if they do start to do that where they take your kid aside, now you can listen to what they're saying, right? And now you have what they just told you to go to somebody else and be like, oh, like, well, I heard this. Is this right? And yeah. you go talk to somebody like you yeah. and you're like, well, no, that's actually not right because this, or yes, that is right because this, yeah. right? And that's how you'll figure out. Or it can be right. Can be right yeah. on, in this situation, that situation, right? Yeah. And now now you can kind of navigate 100%. where you should go for help. Who's the most reputable person in your circle that you can go to to get some yeah. answers, right? Yeah. And that's parent or player, either yeah. way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. So that's that's good. So I, I as I was thinking about this, I said like because I it, this is actually a hard message to get out because we can say go find help. Like and and it's it's actually really important. But I was thinking about this and I said where does help come from first? And I guess I'm going to put the onus number one on coaches, coaches, instructors, whatever it is. Okay, like parents have to do your part, but we're talking hockey. Your coaches. Um, I hope you. I hope you can help your kids. I'm going to give a couple easy ways, sim, fairly simple ways to do it. And now this might not. You might get a coach that doesn't want to do any of this stuff. Now it's on you, right? And it should be on you, anyways. 
So, give me. I need my glasses for one second. <laughs> so what I what I just talked about. I talked about Mr. Rose. Mr. Rose was a huge part of my life. So he coached me from uh, Adam Major to Major Bantam, and I'm so glad he was the guy that took our team every year because uh, kind of like everyone else around was like, oh boy, like hillbillies, you know. Um, so anyways, with Mr. Rose, the one thing I got from him early in my life is that he was a fitness freak. So being the fitness freak that he was, he would have us um, Saturday mornings at the Sudbury Arena after pr- our 7 o'clock practice. Mr. Rose, would he, he would get his uh, track pants on and running shoes, and he made us do uh, all different types of running and plyometrics. And he was way, way before his time. And there was most of the guys on the team would do it reluctantly, and some guys would be um, would would love it. Um, I was I loved it, but then there's there of course I was a ten year old kid when we started. I, sometimes I'm like oh, I don't want to do this one, and I didn't understand the purpose. But my point was, Mr. Rose, my coach, got his shoes on and did it with us, and he probably did it for himself too, <laughs> maximizing time. But he did it with us, and he would be honest to do it properly. And right through to Bantam, like by the time, and we won everything. Like we would go to tournaments and win, beat the big cities. And Mr. Rose would make us run before games. And we'd be reluctantly for most people, and sometimes even me. Like it would be like, ah, come on, man, I got a game. But it was good for us. But that was number one with Mr. Rose is he showed that um, he could teach us stuff that way. So you, you earned a different type of respect for him. The second part where he was really influential in my life is, and this is when he wasn't coaching me. It was um, a, a year after. It was in my draft year, and or my first year in high school. So it was my just before my draft year. Um, I used to love heavy metal, and I used to be a kind of a clown in school. So there's a couple um, heavy metal dudes that I got along with real well. And uh, so so when I got to school, they were out having a dart smoking in the, in the smoking area. So I was out there you know, hanging around just shooting the shit a little bit and Mr. Rose walked by because he taught at the school at the high school <clears throat> so Mr. Rose walked by and I didn't really think anything of it but uh, I go hey Mr. Rose and he's like Andy he gave a little nod and then we had a practice that night so I never thought anything of it so I, I get to practice and Mr. Rose comes in like with concern he goes Andy come here I gotta talk to you so I'm like yeah so I go out there and he goes what are you doing I'm like what what he goes, you can't hang around with those guys. I'm like, well, I was just shooting the shit. I get along with him. He goes, well, listen, listen, you've got something here. You've got something. And he goes, like, if if people are find out you hang around with people like that. And he wasn't saying, like, they're totally, but it's the perception of these guys look like they could be. Bad the, news. Yeah, they could yeah. be the bass player for Black Sabbath. Yeah. And he said that you've got to surround yourself with the right people. And he was like, he, he took me, he was like almost in tears. And I was like, oh, okay. And But no one ever told me that really before. So he just showed that he cared. So just that, those couple things right there, Mr. Rose is my favorite coach ever, mm-hmm. ever, mm-hmm. because he actually showed he cared. And I think the point with coaching is that if you show how much you care, because the kids, this is, a, this is a Zig Ziglar statement. He goes, but it goes, uh, does, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And... After, like in those times when I knew that Mr. Rose had my back and he wanted the best for me, I would go through a wall for Mr. Rose, and I still would today. In mm-hmm. fact, he visited me. Um, I couldn't believe it. I showed you a picture of him. Or did you meet him that day? I think you did. I'm not sure. One of the guys was here when he came in. 
um, and his son Jono. He's a good, great guy, great family. It was probably me. Yeah, I, I think it was you. Yeah. yeah, and and Mr. Rose is uh, 82, 83 now. He looks literally like he's. I, he, oh he yeah, might, yeah, you, that was me. That was me. I How good did this coming. guy look? Oh, he and th- energy, maybe sixty. And, yeah. and what I loved about it, remember the questions he asked about fitness and stuff. Hey Andy, what do you think about this? energy? Oh man, oh, the yeah. best. So he looks no more than sixty. Yeah. But it, really. Yeah. And in good shape and stuff. And and like I was so happy to see him because like that's the the influence that a coach can have in your yeah. life. Like, I mean, yeah. this guy means the world to me. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, his son, we, we grew up playing together and he was a, he was a, just a great human being. Like, and he actually, John will listen to a lot of, yeah, John lot Rose, of this yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And just a great guy, beautiful family. And, uh, that was, that was wonderful. So that was a, that's the first step of, of the coach. And I want you to talk a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the, with, we talked about this a while back too, about like, te- like teachers and coaches and people that have a chance to influence um, you know, kids. And I like that saying, he's the Zig Ziglar, like yeah. people, that's so true. Like people yeah. want to know how much you care. So for me, like being someone who actually care about the guys that I work out with. Yes, we do. Right. You and can't work here if you don't. Oh no. And, and I say to them all the time when they start, like, if you think I'm the best strength and conditioning coach in the world, I'm not, mm-hmm. but I, I care a lot about you guys getting better. Yeah. So that being a first step, I have enough knowledge to get you guys going and I care enough to make sure that each of you individually does well. And that's so much more valuable than just having maybe the best guy ever, but he doesn't pay attention. Absolutely. Right? So when the, when that's another great indicator that you can take Absolutely. when you're, again, player or parent, is pay attention to how your teacher's teaching, right? Yeah. Whether it's your strength coach or your, or your team coach or your teacher at school or whatever. And that's another way that you can try to figure out who's the person I should go to? Like, where should I look for the help? Yeah. Right. And again, it's not that you're going to get the best help or the best information, but it starts to get you along the yeah. way, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're starting to, f- to map your way through. Okay. I can go to this guy for this thing. I can go to this guy for this thing and go to this lady for this thing. I can yeah. do all these. Uh, I know how to, I know how to navigate the space when I need certain things or I'm trying to learn certain things, right? Because yeah. this guy cares about this, this, this guy cares about this. I can go to my mom for this. My dad knows something about this and whatever right yeah and in that way you can see now you'll have two pieces to find help so you can see on the ice are they taking you aside and trying to show you something in the gym are they taking you aside trying to show you something when you talk to them do they care about your progress are they just throwing generic crap at you do they treat you the same as they treat everybody in a good way or a bad way like what like those are those are two big things that you guys can use um when you're trying to seek that help where where should you go like now you got two now you got two tools right yeah 100 so now here's here's a, another thing that a coach can do, and you don't have to be, like you just said it, you don't have to be the best coach, but you have to. This is very simple. How can a coach help? And I'm talking a team and an individual. So you're giving everybody some individual time. It's important. It's I, I don't buy this crap that you know, I'm running a team practice. I don't have time to do that. No, you do, um, and I'm, I'm going to explain how. And um, Give each individual and your team handful, a handful of steps that they that are going to make them better. Okay, so actually look at the team roster. Okay, you you have a team. You're responsible for 15 to 20 guys. I don't care what level you're at. Um, come with a come up with a team identity. It's basically, this is my team, and this is I have a fast team. We're gonna okay, so we're gonna try to play that way. We had, we don't have a very skilled team, so we're gonna have to maybe play defensively. Uh, we have whatever, a big team. So we're going to maybe try to beat some people up. Um, 
So that's, that's the identity of the team. And within that identity of the team, you have individuals. So you've clearly and concisely explained to your group, which I've done with the teams I've coached, is this is what we have and this is how we're going to play to benefit, you know, a winning culture and, and a fun culture. So we have that. But within that, you have your individuals that you're not going to stifle someone's uh, performance just based on one thing. So now you, as a, as a, as a coach, you're looking at actual ways to make every single kid on your team a better player and, and, and actual ways that players can complement each other. Because at the end of the day, it's not just, just about how good you are. If you, if you look at your own, at yourself as, as, uh, as being the end all be all that you'll never be the greatest player because your, your job as a player is to make the people around you better. That's, that's that. So now when you go down to, to a player, I always say to, uh, 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 no, I want to stay with that. Sorry. So, yeah. So now I, uh, with a player, I want to give you four or five different things. So if I look at, um, I'll, I'll just use my son cause I can think of it. Okay. Charlie, this is what I feel as a coach, your strengths are. I think you have a great shot. So when you get an opportunity to shoot pucks, you know, like even though, you know, if, if there's an obvious pass, make it, but if, if you, we want you shooting the puck. All right. So try to get, three shots on that a period. That's your goal. Three shots on that on period. Um, I, I like your skating, but where you're going to get better. Like I find that you're a little bit, you need some work on your quickness. You're just your short area quickness. So let's really put some good intention in, in every practice. Every time you start off, every time you're chasing a loose puck, let's really have a intense focus on, you know, three, four quick quick steps to get there. Even off the ice, son, get off and, and you know work on your on your quickness. That's going to really help you. Um, your back checking. Let's work on X. You know, you know what I mean. Get the puck out because you're a winger. If you do these four or five things consistently that you can measure, you you know you're doing your job. Mm -hmm. You're doing your job really well. So now what you've done is you've helped that kid. You've given. So the kid's gonna you know, at the end of the day, he's not going to say you're a jerk. He's going to say thank you because now I can work on that. And you have those notes. If you own a pen write it down and you have those notes to, to go back to when you're coaching the kid. Hey, Charlie, remember those four things I told you? How you had a couple of times where you should have shot, you didn't? You're, you're, have you been working on your feet? Oh, and the, the reminders, that's quality coaching mm. at, at, at a, a very minor league level, like a, a, for youth hockey. If you can do that, you're actually helping a kid and yeah. the kid will be thankful. Yeah, and now, yeah, now what you've done is you've opened the door for the player to know this is an avenue for me to get some help, yeah. right? Rather than, you know, being your hard-nosed, arms crossed, rah-rah, whatever type coach with bad communication skills. And that takes a level of self-awareness as a coach too, right? Like you need to be able to, to identify your own strengths and weaknesses as a coach and then be willing to address those and work on those so that you are an avenue for help for these kids yeah. that don't know. Like, like we talked about this in the, in the office so many times where Dalton, you and me, all three of us, and so many other people we know didn't have a resource when no. we needed a resource, no. you know, at, at critical ages, like junior 18 years old, when it's like crunch time or 15 years old going into the OHL draft where it's crunch time, like a, a critical resource would have been or someone who's just even marginally helpful, not even yeah. critical, just yeah. someone who can give me something, yeah. just extend a hand to help me in the right direction. That is 
would be so valuable and kids don't get that. So if you're a coach and you can have any level of self-awareness to try to extend that hand to help these kids and show that you could, you're a resource and you're, you're open to them coming and talking to you and asking you questions and doing these things. And then obviously assuming that you actually have educated yourself enough to give them proper advice or at least you're in the ballpark of giving them yeah. decent advice, especially yeah. in minor hockey where we can't really expect you to know everything about everything. No. Then you're giving them such an awesome opportunity to find the help that they need, you know, because the difference between you getting picked and not picked for the next team is very small on the day to day, right? That these there, it's very small differences. And if you can give them just that one thing that they needed, that one little boost in the right direction that they needed, yeah. that could be the difference between that kid really like grasping the concept and taking off with it or they're done because they don't have any anywhere else to go and then they end up in the smoker's pit with johnny bass player that and now they're in all kinds of shit because they didn't have anybody extending the hand to them when they needed it you know yeah 100 percent. and as a coach you know what i I'd, i'd rather see a coach give the help first and and just say okay this is these are this is how i'm going to be a good coach um and 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 if the kid doesn't respond, you still do it anyways because that's your job. You don't don't coach if you if, don't coach, especially youth hockey, if you're not willing to do that. And so, like, here's a here's a thing, right? If you tell a kid, let's say you you know you should work on a little bit of quickness because you're you know that's a that's a deficiency in your game, so you should work on that. The kid might say, "Oh, okay, how?" That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Not just walk away. I mean, that takes now. It's it might be humble for both sides now, right? And the coach might have an answer and don't bullshit say, I don't know that if you don't know, like, especially in youth hockey, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Tell them I'm not sure, but we, together or you, this is, um, you could say it this way. That's up to you now to figure it out. And that's okay. You know, like, okay, find quickness drills, find how do how does a person get faster or quicker? You can do that on your own. Or mm-hmm. I know someone that like, I know Eric at PowerTech that does a lot of stuff for quickness. Maybe you should just ask yeah. him or go see him. That's yeah. that's good coaching. Yeah, let me, sorry, let me jump in on that quick. Cause I, the other thing I was I was just thinking when you're saying, as the, you said, you know, don't coach minor hockey if you're not willing yeah. to do that to the kids. Right. And that's a really key thing because it goes back to the intention again, right? Yeah. Why are you coaching a lot of times your kid's team, Yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. That's That's – a yeah. key question, right? Are you coaching your kid's team so that you have the control over what your kid is doing? Yeah. Or are you doing it because you actually want to help out and you want to provide what you can to all the kids to make them better, yeah. also including your kid, yeah. right? And a lot of times I'm not sure which is the driver, right? So if you're if you're going to be a coach, have the proper intention and realize like you're now in a position to influence 15, 17, 20 kids, yeah. however many, right? Yeah. Especially as they get older when it becomes yeah. more important yeah. if in terms of their, their success in hockey. hockey development. Then you need to do that and have, like you said, the humility to say, I don't know when I don't know, but then give them an avenue to go down because that's not hard to know, right? You might not know how to improve quickness, but you c- it's not hard to know where to, ter- to yeah. direct them, yeah. right? Exactly. So you can say, I don't know, but this guy I know is really good on quickness or honestly just fire up YouTube, find some quickness drills that yep. you can work on. Yeah, it'll right? be better than not. Better than not, yep. right? And you can at least direct them yep. and then maybe they'll find a better resource as yep. a result of you directing them one way or the other, Yeah, you know? So I just wanted to punch that quick yeah. because... Well, yeah, and, and, and just a side note as we're, we're going through this now is that as a coach, what happens is when you, when, you, when you actually coach, you will get challenged 
and being challenged is good. It's like what we said earlier about what Drape says. You know, it's easy when things are easy. Mm-hmm. But now when you're challenged, it's going to force you to become a better coach because you might get someone like me or you that says, uh, okay, coach, I need quickness. Um, how? And then the next thing, how or why? or And, and get challenged, you're going to have to maybe answer some questions, but that's good. Um, and if you hear it, if you, you might, as a coach, see, notice that there's a trend that – most players, let's just say it's, we'll just stay on the quickness thing. Most players have that same thing. You you just don't seem quick enough. Well, if 10 of your 15 players need to work on quickness, as a coach, that should be a cue for you to say, hmm, this is something that I need to know something about that I so I can make someone better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Um, did you want to move on to the players quick? Are there anything sure. extra on that? No, no. I was just going to say that's, that's a real easy thing for a coach. Now, when you get to the higher levels of the NHL and stuff, that might not happen. Coaches are there for performance. I still think it's uh, ridiculous. I yeah. think that um, – um, but it, it is what it, it is. It is, it is yeah. what it is. But, yeah. I mean, uh, the best coaches, like all the guys I, I train, they say, you know, the best ones is to take a couple minutes to say, hey, you're doing this well. You're doing, you need to get that. It doesn't have to be pretty. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be fluffy, but it's like you need to get your game. You need to be quicker. Work with your skills guy for this. Well, yeah, and then that actually might be a good segue into outside of p- people that can be your direct influence. You can, when you once you maybe you hit those higher levels where now your coach doesn't, if you didn't figure it out by now, then you can piss off. Yeah. Maybe if that's their attitude. Yeah. Now you can go to other things that maybe aren't people, right? And this is yeah. where, you, like we always talk about, you can go to books, you can go to podcasts, you yeah. can look online. For, you have all the information online yeah. that you could ever want. Yeah. And you can start to reach into those, into those uh, different yeah. areas to yeah. try to help yourself. Yeah. Because once you're at, a, especially at, if you're at a higher level where yeah. you start to get into junior or you're are just about to you're old enough now to to listen and to pay attention so you can go do some of the work yourself then which that's a totally fair thing to be expected of you right go try to find a good resource where someone's explaining how do i get quicker right there's a million podcasts from from strength coaches interviews drills online there's all kinds of stuff that you can go to so if you if you hit the wall where okay it seems like no one i have in my circle right now can help me you're still not done. You still have other places you can go, whether it's, and bo- books are, and podcasts are the two, That'd two big huge. bangers for me. You can, you can find anything you want to learn on, on, uh, in those two, two areas. Right. Absolutely. So, and, um, the, uh, seek other people. Like, like I said, people like people actually are complimented when you're asked, you know, I'm, I'm really stuck. I've had this several times. I'm stuck and I don't know what to do. Can you help me? Yeah, what do you got? Yeah. Right? So, like, as a player, like, you, if this is something that you want, again, it's just whether you want it or not. If uh, if you're, if you're like, playing junior and you feel like you're playing for the uh, whatever, I don't want to – well, I'll just – it doesn't mean anything. You're playing for the Sarnia Sting and, and you're away from home and the, you maybe have a coaching staff that's just – like that they're not they're not spending time with you well you can make phone calls you could call like a local former sarnia sting a former pro uh or back home find a, a listen i play for the sarnia sting and i'm not getting a lot of help they're saying i need to be better is there anything can i bounce a few things off you and i you know it might take more than one person or whatever but you can find people to help you right well and then even maybe even simpler than that that i was thinking of is if you're if your immediate 
not even just your friend group, peer group, whether it's adults or people your own age or whatever, if you find that they're not providing you with anything of value, then change the group, right? Yeah. So you can't change your team, but you can change your friend group, right? Yeah. You can change the the people that you consistently listen to that are in authority. I'm not saying don't listen to your teachers or yeah. whatever, but if you've been listening to your teacher and you're just like, man, this guy kind of doesn't really know what's going on, then maybe let's tune that one out and go to a new one. Well, that's how right? you got through your university, right? A hundred percent, man. You have to be... Tell, tell that story because this is actually really important because you know I was going to talk about players, but this is like probably the honestly probably the best example because you can you can just talk about your life so i'm just gonna um put the, put the get the plate ready for you and i'm gonna yeah. deliver it to you yeah. Maybe a little pizza pie <laughs> right in front of you, okay yeah. yeah so in as a as a player i'm gonna go do the, my thing first and yeah. i want you to talk about it. so as a player what i what i said to myself is when i was writing the notes down i said well, how do you know you need help well it takes honesty right you could tell yourself that you're good or you can make an excuse and say i'm not getting the help so that's my excuse for not succeeding. Or you can have a poopy pants party. Mm-hmm. and and But be honest with yourself. What do I need help in? Where am I doing well? What am I doing poorly? Um, so that's that's number one. Uh, understand your skill buckets. You've got a whole bunch of skill buckets that you need to fill and look at them and say, okay, I'm good. Like, that's kind of being honest. I'm good here. I'm, I give myself a 10 out of 10 or the bucket's full here. This one's a quarter full. This, so I need to spend time on the on the skill buckets. And there's plenty of them to get better. And, uh, and then ask others if you need help, if you need to go, whether it's psychologically, whether it's, um, you know, mental toughness, whether it's your shot, whatever skill that you need, start seeking help from someone that's better from you, better than you, or has more experience and be very, very specific. Like, so before you go, Mm -hmm. when you go to a coach or you go to ask someone for help, it's one thing to say to the coach, yeah, uh, um, yeah, I don't feel like I'm playing good. You know, what do I need to do? Okay, work harder. And if you walk out of that room and say, okay, work harder, I don't like that answer, but I don't know what to say, then you haven't done your job as a player to take the onus on you. Coach, what does work harder mean? Work harder in what areas? And be very, very specific so that you, that you get the answer that you want. And if you don't, then I would say do what you did. So when Eric went to university, I used to laugh because engineering – is uh, you can't write an essay on engineering. It's right or it's wrong. There's equations and theories and stuff. So when Eric was going to university, um, I always used to see him taking courses on the side about the course that he's taking to get a professor that he could actually understand. Yeah. And it's, I'm like, I go, wow, because you're paying more than you need to, but you it was important enough for you to get it fixed. So mm-hmm. go ahead and tell, how, you, how did you do that? Okay, so I'm going to do, do two, yeah. two pieces of this. So the first one was, so my classes, these are hard classes. Like they're very, very complicated courses. And if you don't have an effective communicator to teach you the material, then you, you will lose. And the reason that so many people fail out of engineering is at least where at the university I went to is because the language barrier between some of the professors was was like insurmountable. You couldn't get around it, right? And the one of the specific problems I found is that they didn't have the vocabulary to always say exactly what they meant. Okay, so right? you have you have a severely heavy accent. Yeah, heavy accent, and their English is obviously their second, maybe third language. And right. and these professors are brilliant. Like yeah, these oh, are like sure. PhD, heavy, heavy, research, heavily researched. Yeah. Like they are super yeah. credentialed. All of this, but because English maybe isn't their first language they don't have 
the development in their vocabulary to precisely tell you what they're trying to tell you. Whereas if they were speaking in their native language, they might be able to do that in more detail. Right. Right. So the issue that I would run into, and I was a, I was a front rower in, in university front row all the time, never scared to ask a question. 200 kids in the class didn't care. Like you're explaining this to me until I understand what you're talking about. And they still couldn't. So what I would started to do when I realized this problem in second year was like, I, I can't afford to not know this material if I want to do well. Right. And I was also someone at school who I was very like solo mission. I didn't really have like a big study group or a lot of friends at school or anything like that. I was kind of on my own page. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need to figure out something else to learn this stuff because I have no help. Right. So went on the YouTubes and I would type in the exact name of my course. So one that, uh, one that stands out to me, it was actually in, when I was in third year, it was called computer network security. So it was about like, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Yeah. It was about, uh, it was about like encryption, like encrypting whatever. So people can't hack you and all this. Yeah. And I'm, my professor was just the worst, like did not know one thing he, and he was teaching the material as if we had already learned it, which wow. was just like, so anyways, wow. so I found a guy in Germany at a university in German and Germany. Jeez that put all his lectures covering almost the same material, like pretty close. So wow, he would do it in German and then do it in English. So the, I had the translation to English on version on obviously. And, uh, I would put the lecture on two times the speed. So an hour and a half lecture I could get through in 45 minutes and then I could go do my questions and learn to, to actually get the material that I was learning in the course because I didn't, there was no way I would have failed the course. No way. Wow. So I had the textbook and it's really hard to learn the first, like the first time from a textbook. Like it's way yeah, easier, at least for, for sure. me. If I try to read it from the textbook first, I have a hard time. If somebody explains it to me and then I read a textbook, yeah. then I understand. Yeah. Right? It gives you some context. Some context. Right? right. So anyway, so that's what I would do with my courses. So then I did that all of university. And then second story, this is probably more significant, which I don't think you probably didn't think I was going to say, but my second year when we started to do internships, there was a guy that uh, his kids actually, my dad runs a music studio and they took lessons with my dad. And this guy worked at Tesla and we're like talking about seeking the help, seeking the help. So my mom was talking to this guy. And they got on the conversation of his work and Reverend said he worked at Tesla. And she mentioned, oh, like I, cause I, Elon Musk is one of my guys, love following this guy and like everything he's doing. It's amazing. And Tesla is one of his companies for people that don't know. And so my mom came home and told me and was like, oh yeah, this guy works at Tesla. Like super cool. We got talking about it. And I was like, oh man, like, could, do you think I could go talk to this guy? Right. So I went to this guy's house and sat on his couch in his living room and talked to him for like an hour and a half about how he got to where he got mm-hmm. right so i sat there hour and a half went from work still had my work boots on went right to his house walk in never met this guy before he was about this tall <laughs> had glasses with the lights on the side that he wore all the time because he was always working on some little engineering project and he sat and told me a story about what he did and i was like okay i gotta do that so because i did that i ended up getting an, an interview at tesla when i went and applied for my internship jobs yeah go into the interview and I had like the head engineer of one of the departments on and this guy that I went and talked to ended up being in my interview because I went and looked for the help. Right. So I get into this interview and the first question he asks me is like, so, uh, what kind of projects are you working on? 
And I was like, projects? Like, what? What kind of, what do you mean projects? Like things, what was I doing on my own time from an engineering perspective to be good? These guys got like the cream of the crop engineers in the world working at their company. Yeah. yeah. And that was his first question. So it was like the, like Draper asking, okay, what's your workout what's your like? What's your workout like? Yeah. Exactly. Because I'm a hockey player and I need to know. Right. Are you a hockey player? Exactly. Are you an engineer? Right. Are you an engineer or not? Yeah. Are, is your life consumed by what <laughs> it takes to be an engineer? Yeah. And I was like, oh. So blanked out. Didn't, I had nothing. I had one project that I was working on. I, t- I talked about that for several minutes and then that was it. And then they moved on to, they had me solve like a problem in real time in the interview, which is pretty standard. And I walked out of that interview. I'm like, school is not preparing me for this. Right, 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 right. I'm this, the avenue, the people that I have helping me right now are not adequate. I need to, I need to go somewhere else. I need to look in other places. It's adequate if you just want to get a pass. Right. If you want to, if you want to get your degree, it's not adequate if you want to excel. If you want to work at Tesla. Same with hockey. Right. Same with hockey. (laughs) Do you want to play for the Detroit Red Wings? Yeah. That, the Tesla is, the whoever the best team in the NHL is right now, I don't know yeah. who to be. Top um, top one, anyways. Who cares? Whatever the team <laughs> is, like that's Tesla is that of engineering. So you want to play there, then it, you got to do certain things. And guess what? Nobody was knocking on my door saying, "What kind of help do you need, Eric?" Nobody was saying that. I had to go find it. Like I had to go dig for it somewhere else. And the place that you think you're getting it, I wasn't getting it. Yeah. And it took that smack in the face to go, oh. I'm not doing nearly enough. And that's why you started to see me taking courses and doing things on my own time on the side, learning how to do apps and all this stuff because I wasn't getting it where I was, right? So I was looking for it. I had to go look for it because it wasn't knocking on my door. And it's the exact same thing for hockey. You have a coach that isn't giving you what you need. You need to go find it somewhere else. You need to go seek it out. And that part of it's going to, unfortunately or fortunately be on you it's fortunate it's on you yeah right like you and you have that ability you can go do that right you can go look in other places and find stuff you know so that's my story i I love that story dude yeah it's awesome it has nothing to do it has nothing to do with hockey but has everything to do with hockey it's the same thing it has everything to do with hockey because that's a message man that is the message that we always try to preach to people it's like there are no excuses Mm -hmm. if you actually want something you go out and do it if you want it but don't pretend don't go and tell me that you that 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 someone screwed your career up because no one screwed your career yeah. up and it's very evident to me why where I failed very evident to me but when I was having my poopy pants and all that stuff because the world wasn't I was the world wasn't conforming to me when I played or at any time in my life um when reflecting and being honest and looking back and saying no I I, I know where I failed yep. I know exactly same for where me I man failed. exact it's, same it's, for me I, I obviously because my skill level was definitely good enough and you know to a certain degree, like, no, it was. And, uh, but obviously there was gaps. I know what they are now. And that, that, that's, that was on me and it's on any other, any player out there. It's, it's, there's no excuses. It's up to you. So the going out and finding help, that's on you. If you think that, you know, you had a long day because you went and rode the bike and you went to school and then you Mm. went to practice and then you, you know, you only had three hours or two hours for YouTube. That's not working hard. That's not a kid that wants it. That's not a player that wants it. Or the Friday night going out here instead of uh, uh, doing your training to actually become a professional who makes $5 million a year. Sorry, man, there's there's no excuses. That's what it takes. So go and seek the help. And there's the ways that you can do it. There's, I mean, like you kind of sum that up like the best way possible. Um, 
go get it. Yeah. I mean, we could say a lot of things. You, you, no one told you where to go. No. You just went and got it. No. And, um, but if you do happen to have someone that is in your corner, like if you do have a me, if you have a me, right, then be really specific. Because my son does that to me. He challenges me. Dad, but what if this? But Dad, one time you said this, and, and now you're saying this. Why? Oh, okay, son. That's that's a good question. I'm glad you're listening, by the way. Yeah. Um, but in this situation, this, and this situation, this, and it's like, okay, so, yeah, you want it or not? Yeah. But, but be very, very specific and very precise for two reasons. One, because you want very uh, precise and concise answers. And number two, so that who you're asking... You, you're not letting them off the hook. You're, right. You want to know exactly. Because if you're going to tell me that I need you to defend harder, <clears throat> sorry, d- defend harder. Okay. I can skate around like an idiot, but what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, harder. What exactly do you mean? In what area? How, mm. you, how do you want my stick? How do you want this? Then, then I can work with that. Oh yeah. Then that's, I couldn't have said that better. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Be specific yeah. because that is where you get the improvement. Yeah. You need to improve on specific things. Yeah. Once you're generally working hard, yeah. generally motivated, yeah. now you need specifics. What yeah. do I specifically need, yeah. right? And if somebody can't deliver the answer, then you need, you can go somewhere else now. Now yeah. you know I need to go somewhere else, you know? Yeah. So maybe uh, maybe put putting a bow on it, the, it's, it's, you know, saying find, find the resources. We're a resource now, right? Yeah. So everybody, everybody that's, uh, that's listening to this, like here's a resource for you. Right. And I know you were saying before, like for if you have something, a question you have, if you have a topic that you want covered, if you have whatever it is that that is on on your mind, that is applicable, obviously, to in the context of hockey, fitness, whatever, like were people that can help you with that. Right. Mm-hmm. If you have a coach in your life that is in, in some way knowledgeable in those areas, that's somebody who can help you. Right. So yeah. extend out to these resources and try to find where you can get the help that you need to get, right? Don't just sit and wait for it to come to your door because it won't come. Yeah. It will not come, yeah. right? Yeah, and lastly, you know what? If you, if we were going to say this the last couple of times, we kind of forget, is um, with our podcast, we always, obviously we come up with the topics and, you know, is our general conversations that we have every day. But if, if listeners out there have something that makes sense to us and is going to be quality, please reach out to us. And, uh, we will answer. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll, we'll answer and we'll, we will, we will, we'll, uh, we'll help. I yep. mean, I mean, that's, that's that. So yeah. yeah. Feel free to send in a, you go to our website, powertechhockey.ca. Um, and, and, you know, could type in the contact. Eric will let me know or he'll answer it himself or we'll, we'll put something together for you. That's that. Sweet. So we'll leave it there till next time. Yep. 